Time, the ever-flowing river. Come with us now to a land before time, when the rivers flowed through a newborn world and giants walked the earth. Welcome to Land Before Time Land. Uh, I'm Professor Chris. And I'm Professor Maddie. And we are here because you are a loyal patron and you deserve this. What is it they deserve, Maddie? Well, when we were researching the Land Before Time franchise, we discovered to our absolute horror that there was a TV show made of the Land Before Time in 2007. It had all of one season, 26 episodes. Yes. Um, and it was on, I guess, uh, Cartoon Network or something like that. Um, one thing uh, of, of note I thought was interesting about this TV series is that it was developed by a man named Ford Riley, who would go on to create uh, such children's shows as Special Agent Oso, which I've never heard of, and The Lion Guard, uh, which you may recognize as that stuff that's at the Disney store that you pass by and pretend like you're buying something cool at the Disney store. <laughs> yes. Or just pretending that you're not just like a grown adult in the Disney store buying like Tsum Tsums or something. Yeah, I think Lion Guard is kind of a big deal among kids. Is that, I mean, it's no uh, Paw Patrol, but it's 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 a thing. I don't know why all these animals have to be cops. I find that incredibly offensive and disgusting. <laughs> And I don't like that our children are learning uh, to love fascism. Uh, ACAD, all cops are dogs. All cops are dastardly dogs. Uh, Dick dastardly dogs. <laughs> uh, oh, God, fuck it. All right, so we, um, so yeah, so how we're going to be doing these uh, Patreon episodes is that we have watched uh, two episodes um, of the show. Which is the most that a human being can tolerate in the space of a day. Well, no, a human being can only tolerate one episode, but we we worked really hard. We did a lot of serious training. Please do not watch two episodes <laughs> we, of the Time Before Time series on your own. We stretched our body to the limit uh, yes. and our brains. We, we are professors. Don't try this at home. Yes, I, I feel like um, I'm the one of the characters from... Uh, Sleepwalkers that is going is that movie called Sleepwalkers with uh, Kevin Bacon doing the the dream experiments? Or am uh, I thinking of something else? Oh, um, uh, well, there's there's a movie called Flatliners. Flatliners. People who that's what I'm thinking yeah, it's about. The people who bring themselves like within an inch of death so they can see the beyond. Yeah, uh, Chris and I are addicted to uh, death, so that's why we were able to watch this. It was actually kind of erotic for us to get so close to the afterlife. Well, you know, uh, when, when you study dinosaurs uh, as much as we've been lately, you kind of, uh, you know, get obsessed with, with extinction and mortality and, and decomposition and all those lovely things. Can you get a doctorate just from watching all of the Land Before Time movies and TV show? Oh, yeah. Why, why do you think I started calling myself Professor randomly when we started watching these? I am a paleontologist now, and so are you. Oh, dude. Uh, my, my parents are going to be stoked. Yeah, my, my, my five-year-old uh, dream is is finally realized. Um, so we watched, uh, as we said, two episodes of this show, which were the first two episodes. We're doing it in order, not that it matters. I don't think there's really any continuity in this show. But uh, um, Yes, uh, and also for those of you at home who are definitely keeping score, we are going by the episode order on the Wikipedia page. 
Uh, so if you want to email us, letting us know that episode two is actually technically episode 104, um, please just think about what you're doing. Like, think about exactly <laughs> where what's you are in your life. Think about yeah. just picture yourself in front of your computer typing those words. Um, actually, <laughs> this is technically episode 104 of the first season, the and- only season. <laughs> Of the Land Before Time series, and then go go back and and just rethink everything, uh, in, including uh, including giving us five dollars to listen to this. No, don't rethink that. Never rethink that. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's dive right into it. Uh, the first episode we watched uh, is called "The Cave of Many Voices." Yes. Uh, so it's about uh, it's about how the dinosaurs. Um, who are um, stranded in the cave can only see uh, the shadows that flicker out of the fire of things that are outside, and that is how they view their world and their reality. Until... No, 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 no. That's us. That's our experience. Okay, I'm sorry. That's I'm sorry. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's what our... it was like watching it. I'm sorry. That's our cave of many voices. Yeah. Um, the the plot of this episode is uh, Chomper, who can talk now. We we haven't gotten far enough in the films to know if he starts talking later in the films. But... Well, I will ex- excuse me, Chris, as the foremost uh, Land Before Timeologist of the program, I can tell you that Chomper does start speaking in the fifth movie. Okay, cool. So uh, Chomper notices that the cave he's living in floods whenever it rains, and so he leads the others on a quest to find a new cave uh, by going further into the same cave yeah it's not really clear it it's great um i also want to point out that the uh, characters call rain skywater yeah <laughs> uh who is my uh uh my favorite uh luke cousin from star wars uh <laughs> and it's really funny and i don't remember them ever using the word skywater Ever so, please let us know if they ever use the term Skywater to, to describe rain. Well, we we're of uh, course it's uh, great. we're very early in our viewing of the film series, so there is much that we have ahead of us. We're doing these parallels. Yes, and we also found out that this um, series takes place between movies thirteen and fourteen. So when we get to movie thirteen, a whole lot's going to become clear all of a sudden. Yeah, because cl- you know it would be impossible for a normal person to understand the complexities of the show without watching the first thirteen movies. So the uh, the sort of moral plot of this episode, because every every single one of these episodes is is you know just about problems that a, a, a kid might encounter on the playground. Uh, the issue this episode is that Ducky uh, doesn't want to be little anymore. She wants to, she wants to feel like a big kid. And their friend Ruby, who is a uh, Overraptor, uh, has I guess is like their cool older kid friend, and she has what the other characters describe as a big voice, like a commanding presence that gets people to do what she wants. I mean, even though even she, though sounds exactly she sounds like exactly every, like everyone the sounds the same, who cares? So Ducky is envious of her big voice and uh, wants to have a big voice herself. And that's the that's the plot of, of the episode. I mean, that's what's so weird about it. It's that she doesn't actually want to be big. She just wants to yell. 
yeah. at people. Like, that's really all she wants to do. Yeah, like, she takes lessons from Ruby about how to, like, make her voice deeper and louder. And so she goes and she practices it on the other kids. And they're like, are you trying to sound loud? What, what's what's going on? There's a great moment where she, like... Um, does, she stops doing her uh, her speech impediment <laughs> yeah. in order to act uh, tougher. Yeah, her yep, yep, yep just goes away. It's like, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, sir and madame. It's yeah, it's really funny that they um, make fun of the way people talk in this show. Anywho's um, the the first thing that that stood out to me about this episode was the. Um, uh, I mean, there's no uh, way to kind of sugarcoat this. Um, uh, the the animation's terrible. Um, I wish I had a joke for that to say or some kind of clever <laughs> metaphor. But, but it's just, just a fact. It, just, just immediately you're watching this film, uh, the show, and you're like, oh boy, uh, yeah. this is not going to work. Um, <laughs> including just scenes where um, uh, characters are interacting with the background. Uh, see, for this show, they decided to make all of the characters two-dimensional and all the backgrounds three-dimensional so what that means is that whenever a character interacts with like say a rock of some kind they look like they're in separate universes from each other yeah like they might as well be galaxies apart yeah as how close they are yeah the background elements have this this look to them where they're trying to look like these you know really nice 2d painted backgrounds but they're just cut up into these little you know, like like After Effects layers and just kind of layered on top of each other in this 3D kind of way that looks awful. And the when the characters interact with them, they, they do not look like they're in the same plane of reality at all. Um, yeah, no, it, it's awful. Um, so I guess going back to the, the plot of this, Christ, there's a... <laughs> so they're trying to find a new home for Chomper because his cave flooded... And it's really nice of the dinosaurs to allow Chomper to stay in the Great Valley so long as he's out of sight, <laughs> out of mind. He's a horrible monster. He can be in a cave, <laughs> and that's it. Yes. So ch- this show appears to have addressed the issue of Chomper being a baby version of the most lethal super predator that our planet has ever known uh, by the fact that he eats bugs like Timon and Pumbaa. Yes, which we we saw some of that in his first movie that he was trying to eat bugs uh, yes. for food. But he's, he's, he's always like, whenever he sees a bug, he's like, ooh, delicious. It's like a Timon and Pumbaa fascination with, with, with eating bugs. It's literally- Just to remind the yeah. kids constantly that he's not going to eat Littlefoot someday. Yeah, because- that's the only thing he can eat, um, except for fish. I don't know the fish talk in this, in uh, this world, and in, in, in Land Before Time Land. Do the fish talk? Maybe we'll find out. Well, we know it's okay to eat the bugs because the bugs aren't sen- sentient. Um, yeah, <laughs> so it's fine if Chomper uh, eats them. It's good. It's good that he does that. It's important. It's really important. Pest control. So they're going through these caves for you know god knows what and eventually they find a echoey cave that they call the cave of many voices and they proceed to spend about 10 minutes in there just kind of yelling at the cave and it's cute at this point you realize maybe i realize this a little bit late that this is a show for preschoolers (laughs) and maybe i'm not (laughs) the the right person to ever watch this program so then (laughs) uh 
for really no particular reason, they just kind of leave the cave uh, and and go back to it. But during during their absence, the cave is infiltrated by the bad guy of the show, uh, whose name they never let you forget, uh, Red Claw. Yes, his name is Red Claw, and he's basically introduced almost... His name is introduced almost immediately. Like, as soon as we see the characters, like, oh, I hope Red Claw's not going to scare us. Like, oh, this hole is almost as scary as Red Claw is. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a production note saying that, uh, you know, when Red Claw isn't in the scene, the characters need to be asking, where's Red Claw? Uh, yeah. They're, they're just constantly referring to this. Red Claw is the, is the bad guy, uh, Sharptooth, in this show. He has a couple of minions who... At first, I I didn't think they were raptors, but then they appeared to be raptors later because the animation is inconsistent on their toe claws. Yes. There are some shots where they have the curved toe claws of raptors, and there are other shots where they just have regular feet because this is a cheap show. Um, And uh, much as the Sharptooth in the original film, Red Claw cannot talk. He's just a big monster, but he appears to be able to communicate with his two henchmen by just roaring. Well, I think what it is and the show does say this i guess sharp teeth have their own language that's right yeah chomper can speak the sharp tooth language and he can speak the herbivore language which is english but also sharp teeth are still like stupid monsters yeah because they act like monsters like they don't think they just kind of act but but they never subtitle sharp tooth language so whenever the the sharp teeth are talking to each other it's just like that gag in the new Rick and Morty episode where the snakes are are, are having dialogue and it's just <laughs> except it's not a joke. We're supposed to take it seriously. Yes, or this this whole show is is very much played straight. Um Yeah, so after um they find um Chomper's cave, they all go out and I don't know, eat um eat grass cuz they're, you know, they're herbivores. Um and they, they keep bringing up this this question that I've always had about this series, that they make such a big deal about, like, stealing tree stars. Like, there's these two dinosaurs that come in and take their tree stars, like, just steal them. And one of the other dinosaurs has to be like, hey, give us back our food. And I'm like, your whole world is food. There's literally nothing Everything but green is food. all around you. Yeah, and I mean, it's true that herbivore animals that like live in a jungle and stuff are picky about the leaves that they eat, but I mean, they're not going to starve, you know? Nobody's going to starve if, you, if somebody takes your tree stars. I wonder if it's because, like, tree stars are special, like they taste especially good right, from yeah. the other leaves, like um, they're... Um, uh, like tobacco or something like that. <laughs> They're just they've got like cocoa cocoa bean or uh Oh yeah, yeah. There's some kind of um a horribly addictive plant that everybody has to have. It's dinosaur catnip. Dinosaur ooh. That's really cute. Yeah. Imagining just these dinosaurs kind of losing their minds. Or it's dinosaur weed. We don't or know. Or it's dinosaur it kinda look well that is actually it doesn't look like a weed. It just looks like a star. It's a related plant for sure. I think oh it's definitely a, a similar strain. I don't know if it's um if it's a sativa or what. But anyway, so they're all eating at this point. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that happens. Yeah. You go from a cave to just this moment where Chomper's like, "Hey, do you guys want to explore the cave more?" and they're like, "We're eating." Yeah. <laughs> this this literally happens in the show. They're like, "No." 
We're not done eating. <laughs> yeah, and then we watch them eat for a little while. And we longer. just we're just here. We're just this is what's happening. We're That's just watching them eat. And nothing comes of it. No. It just happens. It's um God, it, it's just um horrible. It's it's horrifying. So the, the, the big the big conflict, the big the big sort of final uh uh moment of this episode is they're back in the cave and they're being chased around by Red Claw the sharp tooth because as always a big hole has opened up thanks to some kind of landslide in uh in the wall that separates the great valley from the mysterious beyond and a, a dinosaur has entered the uh the, the rift and so they have to try to scare him off and that's where the plot of the cave mixes with the plot of ducky wanting to have a bigger voice because it turns out the ducky being small is what saves the day because she's able to slip into a tiny little crack without being noticed uh, right behind the, the big dinosaur's nose, the, the sharp toothed nose, and then use the echo of the cave to like make a big, scary, loud voice that distracts them. So she kind of gets what she wants, but she also learns the lesson of the episode, which is sometimes being little is better. Um, yeah, there's this, this confrontation with with Red Claw, who I guess is in one of the movies by how just familiar everybody is with him and uh, his uh, his cronies, none of which can talk, where they're chasing him. They're, we get to see some um, amazing animation uh, during this chase <laughs> scene. Uh, just just watch. I mean, just watch it on your own. It's incredible. Um, they were saving every single frame they could. Chomper says an amazing line here. He says... Um, if you stand perfectly still, the sharp teeth can't see you. <laughs> Stealing Jurassic Park rules. And I wanted there to be a point where he says that and he goes, wait, where, where did you guys go? Are, did you do what I said? Like, are you standing still? <laughs> I can't see I, you I anymore. Can't see. Like, yeah, he like, is one. Like, Chopper, that, that's also for you, too. Like, you also can't see things unless they move. <laughs> Fucking stupid dinosaur. <laughs> you piece of shit, Chopper. Um, yeah, so that's how they, they get past them and then how they, uh, defeat or scare off the, the sharp teeth is they go back to the echo cave. Aha. Exactly what you thought was going to happen does indeed happen. <laughs> they use the echoes to create big, scary voice. Um, Chomper, uh, says something in sharp teeth to, I guess, scare Red Claw away. But we don't see what he says. He just goes... There's no subtitles. I assume what he said was incredibly bigoted and offensive, like uh, like R2-D2 in uh, the Star Wars movies. Well, he was making a very unkind remark about uh, Red Claw's uh, hideous scar. Yeah, which uh, looks like somebody just painted it on him, like he was trying to look cool or something. Yeah, he's got this big red scar that goes from like his his eye all the way down to his arm, but it just looks like a red line, like he's in some kind of David Bowie music video or something. Yeah, like somebody did like a perfectly even and curved scar, like <laughs> uh, just claw on him. And uh, yeah, I I don't believe that's real for a second. Um, like if you asked him, uh, Red Claw, where'd you get that scar? Like he would say, yeah, I was. It's fine. I was, you know, I was, um, I was born with a cracked egg. <laughs> yeah. Um, I it was, uh, it's a horrible deformity. I'm very sensitive about it. Hey, we're going to call you Red Claw now. That's my life. I didn't expect anything more or less from what you're, you're doing to me. 
So uh, I'm going to give you a brief ramble about dinosaurs. Yay! Because uh, you, you, you paid good money for this. Um, so the, the whole conceit that T-Rex cannot see you if you don't move, I would like to, to point out, is has nothing, no basis in actual paleontology whatsoever and doesn't make any sense. In, in the novel Jurassic Park that was added by Michael Crichton, basically just as a way of giving the protagonist some kind of way to outlast this T-Rex. And it was based on the fact that in the novel Jurassic Park, the dinosaurs were genetically spliced with frog DNA. And that's an attribute that certain frogs have where they're not really good at seeing things that aren't moving or like at least not very good at focusing on them. And so in the novel, the idea was the T-Rex had inherited this trait from the frog DNA that they'd spliced it with. But in the script for the movie, for some reason, uh, David Kep gave that line to Alan Grant when he was talking about T-Rex fossils. And it just became this like understood rule that for some reason, you know, the greatest predator that our planet had ever known can't see things that aren't moving. And so that rule translates over here to this Land Before Time movie. Uh, but... Uh, in, in actual science, that makes no sense. If you are a T-Rex, you're going to look right at your food, whether it's staying still or, or, or moving. Um, no, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Chris. I believe that uh, T-Rexes definitely could not see objects unless they were moving, but it was more of like a mental block that they had. That's <laughs> right. why Chomper could see perfectly fine as everybody stood still and, and noticed them. Um, it really is just a... Um, Mind over matter. If they had read some self-help books, oh, some yeah, yeah. Um, uh, actualization, proper uh, took um, proper self-care. Yeah, what what you can see is is entirely up to you. You you just need some essential oils, and uh, and you can see anything. Yes. Um, yeah. If only Goop was around in ancient times, I think <laughs> they'd be doing a lot better. Yeah. Where's Where's dinosaur Gwyneth Paltrow to to fix them all up? Uh, Gwyneth Palociraptor. <laughs> Did you know that wearing dinosaur masks makes your infection with the dinosaur coronavirus worse? Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, turns out wearing one of those um, horrendously funny T-Rex outfits in public doesn't uh, protect you that much from uh, coronavirus. No, it just gets you arrested. Good. Those T-Rex. No, if you look, okay. Here's a couple things I'm gonna say. If you are the kind of person that wears um, a a full T-Rex outfit or a horse mask in the year of our Lord 2020, again, I hate cops, but you should go to jail. The uh, the the inflatable T-Rex costume is probably the single greatest legacy of the movie Jurassic World. Because it is an official tie-in costume from that movie. Is that where it's from? I that guess, is what it's from. Uh, yeah, I guess that's when they all started to pop up. Yeah, it is the official costume, the Halloween costume for the movie Jurassic World. It's kind of like how the lasting legacy of Calvin and Hobbes is, are those uh, Calvin peeing. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, tramp stamps on the <laughs> cars. Yeah, that's the the lasting legacy. There's actually a whole line of them. There's yeah. like one for the raptor. There's one for the the pteranodon. Like there's a bunch of those Jurassic World inflatable dinosaur costumes, but only the T Rex one became a meme. Yeah, what a beautiful world we live in. Sometimes you look and you say, uh, maybe quarantine's not that bad. Yeah, I don't have to <laughs> interact with people. 
in dinosaur costumes. But but we are making ourselves watch all these dinosaur cartoon shows. Well, this is for um, informational purposes. Again, we're trying to get our uh, doctorate. Yeah, we're, we're so close to unlocking the mysteries of this 14-film uh, DVD set that we unearthed from the dig site in Mongolia. Uh, thankfully, the TV show um, is on YouTube, so if you guys want to watch along, uh, you can go ahead. And uh, it's not even pirated on YouTube. It's apparently official on YouTube, like officially free from the Land Before Time channel. I mean, we didn't look too far to see if that was the official Land Before Time channel, but... But it's pretty blatant. Yeah. like it, You know? like I don't like know what else it would be. Like, I don't know why somebody would fake something like this. But who knows? Um, so... Uh, I mean, anyway, that's the first movie. They they, they saved the day. I mean, what the, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Well, you yeah. forgot you forgot to mention... What did uh, I forget to mention? Every single one of these episodes is a musical. Yes. Okay, so there are uh, two songs in every episode of the show. Um... If you were to ask me to recite it for you right now, I would not be able to. I cannot remember anything about these songs. Um, Chris, do you remember anything about these songs? So I remember that there was a, a song in this episode and then a song in the next episode we watched that both had the exact same like melody and the exact same like, like little beat uh, to them. Which I, I, was a they just stole that and they used it on two different songs. And I think maybe I I don't know I may be getting ahead of ourselves here, but I'm beginning to expect that every episode is going to have a song that includes. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna just throw it out there. I don't think they spent too much time on these songs. Um, I do okay. I do remember there was a cave song. Like, they're in the cave, and they're like, hey, let's go to cave, 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 cave. It's a cave song. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, there's there's a funny point, a moment in there where, like, um, they're singing the song, and, like, Petrie gets grabbed by, like, some kind of human centipede-looking thing. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big creepy, almost, like, Dr. Seussian centipede goblin it's, monster. It's legitimately scary. Otherwise, I wouldn't even, even mention it on this podcast. But I was like, wait, what the fuck was that? <laughs> It was, uh, and then it disappears because it's all in his head. It went, yeah, yeah. It went back to Silent Hill where it belongs. <laughs> um, yeah, a horrifying uh, monster. And yeah, that's it. Look, it's um, 22 minutes. That's about the best you're gonna get. Um, I will say, um, you probably met, heard us uh, talking about a character named Ru- uh, Ruby, who is uh, new. Ruby is not in the first movie. As far as I remember. <laughs> and she, uh, according to our DVD box art, uh, she will appear in one of the upcoming films. But uh, we're not sure how soon that is. Ruby is their uh, their other friend who is a... She is a pink overraptor. She has to be pink because she's a girl. She's a girl, yes. And um, she has feathers. She's the first dinosaur in Land Before Time that we've seen uh, that has feathers. So she must have been created in one of the more recent movies. Because the whole dinosaurs with feathers uh, thing is is fairly recent to the scientific community. Yeah, I like how she's like the only correct one out of all the dinosaurs. Yeah, like everyone else is just like what um, you know what we thought they looked like in Jurassic Park, which I don't understand. I don't know how they would explain that uh, to each other. Like, hey, you 
what's that? You got like feathers on you. Oh, like, I'm just more evolved than you. Yeah. Oh, I'm just like an actual dinosaur. You're all just like <laughs> piss ants. I don't even know what the fuck you are. Yeah. It's like you can clearly, she kind of stands out. Like you can clearly tell that the other dinosaurs are these like old school kind of Charles Knight designs. And she was designed after somebody Googled like modern paleo art of an Oviraptor. In that way, she definitely looks like um, uh, a character that would have been created in the the 12th movie of a franchise. Yeah. (laughs) Because she looks like so fucking different from everything else. Uh, I'm reminded of um, uh, the scene and the um, majestic Jungle Book 2. Oh, yes. Where um they where we see the um the the vultures again and all of a sudden this new vulture just like comes <laughs> storming into the scene and was like, Oh, what do you want to do? Like, hey, I'm the new one. <laughs> you kids having fun? You buying the toys yet? I'm Poochie. <laughs> there are so, oh my god, there's just chronic Poochie syndrome throughout this entire show. It's um it is truly amazing. Um but I think that's enough about episode one. Uh, let's find out what happens in episode two as I turn the page of my notes. All right. Uh, episode two is called The Mysterious Tooth Crisis. Now, between the two, I, I have to say this one uh, was was my favorite. Your favorite of the two? Okay. Uh, solely what because... What a coin flip decision. <laughs> solely because the the central issue of this of this one is... Chomper loses a tooth and nobody has told him that he's going to lose his baby teeth at any point in his life. This is the first time he's ever lost a tooth and (laughs) he begins to have like a mortality crisis that his entire body is going to fall apart. He's like, what's going to fall apart next? Am I going to lose my nose? Am I going to lose my tail? And then Sarah's dad comes out of nowhere for no reason and just tells Chomper that he's gonna die. Also like <laughs> lies ne- to him. Also like never apologizes for it either. No, we never see no, him again. There's no point where like Sarah's dad like, oh, I was just telling you that to, to, to scare you. Like, like he just, just leaves. Sarah's dad is just like an evil irredeemable asshole who tells kids they're going to die. Which, which <laughs> Is fitting because in the movies he's a, a racist bigot, and he's just a a, hor- a horrible, horrible man. He just shows up, and he's like, "I wouldn't get too attached to that tail if I was you. Sooner or later, uh, I'd give it tail tonight. You're gonna fall right apart, bones and all." And then he just walks away, smiling evilly. And this is a grown-up. This is an adult. In this in this TV show, adults are supposed to be like like the ultimate source of trust in a show like this. Yes. But he, this show is literally saying your your dad might just be lying to you. Uh, yeah. Uh, your dad's a jackass, and he he thinks your suffering is fun. Yes. <laughs> Missing tooth. I've seen it before, eleven times actually. <laughs> I say he has about until sunset. We are barely exaggerating. Like that is basically what he says, and how he says it. Um. So. So. Cri- so. And, Chomper. And, and so while Chomper is having an existential crisis, uh, panic attack. God, if only Adderall was around in ancient times, he'd be fine. Um. Uh. uh Sarah. Uh. Sarah's mom. Uh. Mrs. Triceratops. Mrs. Triceratops. Or Mrs. 
three horn. Who is a lovely person, and why did she ever marry that horrible, horrible man? Uh, also, uh, 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 two guesses on what her color is. <laughs> Uh, if you guess another pink character that's a woman, then you are correct. Now, you, you may be wondering, but uh, Ducky and Sarah were just green and orange, regular dinosaur characters. Nothing particularly feminine about that. But uh, you see, they were designed in 1988, <laughs> and these characters were designed in 2007, uh, so they have to be pink because yes. in 2007... Whoever made this show had absolutely no faith in kids whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, what girl power is. This is what the Spice Girls taught us. I, I, I'm literally wondering if it might be somebody was like, "Well, we're only going to be able to sell these toys on the girls' toy aisle, so they have to be pink, like everything else on the girls' toy aisle." Like, I'm wondering if it was something like that. Yeah, because nobody bought Sarah or Ducky's toys. Yeah, no. <laughs> when that came out. Just, just rows and rows. They, uh, people were confused. Like, I don't understand. Is that a, is that a woman dinosaur? Because it looks like just a regular color. If it I press that button and a female voice comes out of it, my little Jimmy's not gonna want that toy. Listen to me. Like, if if it's not a garish color, then I don't know what I don't. I it's gotta be a man. Um, I love that. Like, I, okay, this is something I've been thinking about. Uh, we're talking about like girl power and like girl toys. Um. The, the the girl power movement of like Spice Girls and like oh uh, you know, s- stick it to them is basically just like the the radical idea that like women could have that that like you could have friends that were other women as a woman yeah like that's basically like hey hey ladies you know what if you had friends that were also dames and what like, if- that was the entire like movement like what a fucking concept what if you had a sleepover and you didn't invite the boys into the pillow fort what if you didn't even talk about boys you just talked with your friends (laughs) what if girls just talk to each other like which you know (laughs) no one had ever thought of before oh god Uh, so so i mean that's i mean obviously that's that's where where i'm at whenever i'm at sleepovers i just want to just talk about boys it wasn't until um scary spice came out from under the bed and said talk about each other and braid each other's hair well you want to make sure that at every sleepover you're passing the bechdel test with every conversation yeah um (laughs) wouldn't that be funny if like if there was like some woman who like finds out about the bechdel test and then like does the math like Wait, I don't pass the bed. <laughs> <laughs> every day of my life, I every talk about I've a man. Ta- oh, God. I, ta- I I don't know any other woman by name. I, <laughs> whenever, and whenever I talk to them, it's always about a man. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh, what a crisis that would be. <laughs> we got we to talk about this stupid, stupid show. Okay, back to Triceratops. So Mrs... Three Horn, Mrs. Three Horn, which is the literal name. I guess Sarah's family is the Three Horns. And other, I guess there's no tri- other Triceratops, which is like, in, which in is like my name being Chris Human or or Chris White Person uh, in the racial allegory of the show, which it does have. Yes. Uh, but anyway, they go to uh, the the B plot is that she and Ruby and Spike are going to a mud pit which is basically like a dinosaur spa. It's like the one of those cover yourself in warm mud treatment things, but it's just a volcanic pit in the ground with warm mud. Yeah, like when they get there like all this Hawaiian like music starts playing. <laughs> yeah, like the ukulele gets busted out. 
Um, yeah, and they all just kind of give them give each other uh, facials and just hang out in the warm mud. And the B plot is literally just that Sarah is sitting there being obstinate, thinking it's dumb the whole time until she falls into the mud and decides that she likes it. And that's the entire plot of the B plot. Yeah, so so while uh, this is all happening, um, the, the rest of the dinosaurs are trying to find a way to um, get the tooth back in Chomper's mouth, get it to stick in there. And it um, leads to a tooth song, which I wrote as maybe the worst song I've ever heard in my life. Which the, which uses the same beat as the song in the previous movie. Yes, I mean I don't think anything's gonna gonna top eggs from the second movie. Um, uh, as be, the be worst sure to, song ever. Be sure to listen to that podcast. Um, depending on when this comes out. Yeah. So Chomper's upset. He's like, "Oh, I'm not a sharp tooth because I'm I'm losing tooth. How am I going to?" Uh, eat bugs and they go they go that's <laughs> all so i'm allowed to eat which is so sad <laughs> and they they go to uh, another friend of theirs who is not a triceratops but he's some sort of ceratopsid he, he doesn't have horns on his uh, above his eyes and this guy is apparently the expert at fixing people like he puts teeth back in people. He's like an expert at, at fixing stuff like this. And he sings a whole song about how he can fix Chomper's tooth. And he does, and it doesn't work. And he's like, oh, sorry. I guess I've uh, spent my whole life avoiding sharp tooth teeth. I don't really know how to fix them. And then he walks away. Yeah, this is um, as close as they have to a doctor in this society. It's just an old man that has a little too much time on his hands. Um... So they decide to try and go to the mud pit because they think like that'll do. Well, they're they're looking for for Ruby. They think Ruby will be the expert. That's right. That's right. Because they the doctor fails, so they realize okay, we need somebody who understands sharp tooth teeth, and the only person they can fathom who would understand how a sharp tooth's teeth would work is Ruby because she lived in the mysterious beyond for so long and apparently met many sharp tooths. Never mind that all of our characters journeyed through the mysterious beyond and in fact came from it and were born in it in the first movie. Ruby's the only we, expert. We, we can't we can't have this conversation again about this because <laughs> literally every podcast will just be how just be about the fucking mysterious beyond. Yeah. Um there's one part where they go into a cave and Chomper tries to eat a bee. And they just start running from bees. Yeah, which is just a plot filler. <laughs> bees. It's just, which is just like you, bees again, are coming. Again, this this show is made for people uh, whose whose brains haven't fully developed yet. So this is how they're learning about classic uh, comedy tropes, like ah, bees are chasing us. <laughs> yes. Oh no. Um. Yeah. It's um. God, it's just. It's. I actually got really sad. Uh, watching the beast scene because like they just went from the scar this red claw character sharp tooth and now they have these murder hornets and it's just absolutely horrendous it's terrible you know just like one bad thing after another one Um, bad day I get the feeling this show is going to be an awful lot of running around in caves. Yes. Because I'm sure the cave back background is very cheap to, to reuse. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's going to be like Planet Hell on Star Trek, where they, they're just going to use it, use it, use it, use it, use it, until until every single imaginable thing has chased them in the cave. Yeah, they just open the folder on their computer that says uh, the, the background, and they just put that in. Um, they climb up a, a big 
like steep uh, cliff to find this place, which is kind of awkward by itself. Um, Chomper ends up tripping and there's like a bit of an action scene where he's uh, trying to get up, but he doesn't want to lose his tooth. Um, and then he falls into sinking sand. Well, with no, his but, tooth. well, before that, while, while he's hanging off the cliff, um, Ducky says the most amazing thing I've ever heard where she says, do not fall. It will hurt very much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it which I will. guess, yeah. You know what, Ducky? You know, no lies detected. <laughs> no lies detected. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. <laughs> and they're like, they're like super high up, like it's like a death fall. Oh yeah, like the, it's they're, they're dead. Um, and then, uh, so Chomper accidentally drops his tooth over the cliff. Petrie, uh, acting on instinct, flies down and gets it. And then something we don't quite understand happens. And maybe we will later on, but they inform Petrie, Petrie, you you flew through that cloud and you got the tooth and you came back. And Petrie is like kind of amazed and surprised that he did that as if it would have been something that was really scary for him. And we're not sure if they were talking about, you know, just doing that death defying act of flight which, you know, Petrie can fly. It doesn't appear like that should be scary. Or if it's that he's afraid of clouds, and see, the scary thing was that he went through a cloud. Yeah, see, this is why, you know, we took a big risk watching this show without watching the first 13 movies. Yeah, please please comment uh, and let us know if, if uh, we're, we're horrible idiots for not knowing that in movie number 12 or whatever, Petrie becomes afraid of clouds. Which, um, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, I know it's Petrie. He's weird. He's got like, um, you know, he's he's got a lot of anxiety. He's it's a fucking cloud. <laughs> like they're so nice. They're pretty. They're soft. I would love to fly through a cloud. Yeah, maybe we're right in this, and the sequence just doesn't make any sense. Maybe he has nothing, nothing to do with clouds at all. Maybe, yeah, maybe just like the writers assume that everyone's afraid of clouds. <laughs> um, but. What they actually met, what they actually, what it actually was when they when they threw out those um, uh, test screenings was that kids were afraid of clowns. <laughs> right. Clowns, not clouds. Easy mistake. Easy mistake. Um, so eventually, after a bunch of who who could possibly care, they get to the mud pits. Uh, Sarah, who was uh, once reluctant is now totally into it, and she is uh, beyond relaxed. She's like, oh, hi, everybody. I'm they're, having a heck of a time. They're all so relaxed. It's like, is it is it a mud pit or an opium den? It's amazing. Like, oh, my God, my friends. Uh, Mom just showed me this new thing. It's called mimosas. <laughs> uh, have you heard of brunch? <laughs> yeah. We're having brunch at the mud pit. Uh, and everyone's just really relaxed. It seems nice. I want to go to the mud pit. It's It looks like a really, really fun place. So they mention that Chomper's in trouble and they need to get out of the mud and come help. And they're like, oh, okay. And then when, when Sarah learns that it's all over a missing tooth, she instantly like flips out and starts yelling at them like, you interrupted my relaxation for this? And it's like, Sarah, you got some issues. Do fucking you really? I, I mean, I uh, know Sarah, Sarah has issues. But. Sarah is such a queen. Fucking yes, diva. We understand. Live so, your life, girl. So then, Mrs. Threehorn is finally able to explain what, for some reason, the other adult 
Triceratops no, it, guy it's, couldn't. It's Ruby that oh, it's explained. Ruby. So, the, so okay. So they're right. It is Ruby. Uh, Ruby. Ruby is an expert on sharp teeth. Yeah, she says, oh, no worry, it's normal for sharp teeth to lose their teeth, and you'll get a new one coming in, and everything's fine. And that's that's it. That's the resolution. We never, ever see Mr. Threehorn again. He never apologizes for literally lying to his kids and being evil. Uh, that's it. Uh, there, there's another great scene with, um, with, with Mr. Threehorn where, like, um, Sarah's complaining, like, I don't want to go to the mud pit. That sounds, like, dumb as shit. And Mr. Threehorn is like, oh my, look, you, you don't know how long your mom has been planning this. She will, she's been keeping me up all night. Like, yeah. I, she, he's literally like, I I'll will never, never hear, hear the, the end, end of, of it. it. Yeah. And so he's like, and he's like, and, I, and I'm going to think like, what else are you going to do, Sarah? <laughs> You're a dinosaur. You, like, it's literally this or just like nothing. Just standing <laughs> yeah. around eating grass. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did appreciate the scene in the previous episode where our characters are just standing around eating plants and yeah, Chopper's just, like, God, this is all you do, isn't it? Like, what else is there to do? I, I, I joked about this as we were watching it. Like, I think, like, being sentient is probably torture in that world. Yeah, it's a curse. Like, the, the bugs are the lucky ones, you know, because <laughs> they don't have to under... Like, you can talk, you can understand things. Your world must be so boring. God, imagine, imagine having the gift of language and analytical thought but no, like, motivation to do anything with it. No motivation to build anything or improve your lives or, or create a society together or to invent technology or to accomplish anything. You just have the ability to think about this infinitely confusing, horrible world that you live in and to talk it over, but then all you can do is eat plants. All day. That's that's an existential nightmare. Wait, a, I just thought of, I just thought of something, Chris. <clears throat> you just thought of something. I just thought of something. You just thought of something. That's all true. However, Mrs. Threehorn created the world's first spa. That's right. And she would not have been able to do that without having a realization of the self. Right. She would not be able to do that without the power of language and understanding. Right. Well, I suppose she she could have discovered the warm mud pit and discovered that she enjoyed being in it. But the process of informing other dinosaurs about it and bringing them to it constitutes an invention of sorts. That's that's the innovation. And then, that's, the, that's yeah. the, the moment where the monkey uses a rock to crush a skull. And there may be a moment where they notice that there are a lot of people that want to use the mud pit for real relaxation and and they have three sarah has this and, and uh, uh mrs uh threehorn has this great idea to uh charge people tree stars yeah yeah tree stars in order to use the mud pit well since we know tree stars are scarce like they're, they're not literally tree stars are not literally everything in the forest like tree stars are a specific kind of leaf that that is prized it, which it has to be because otherwise this entire franchise falls apart yeah the whole economy won't work yeah so they start uh giving uh tree stars all of a sudden uh people realize that they can just use tree stars to bargain for anything in the world um, we discover that the person who just happens to have a nest by the most uh, tree stars 
is now the most important dinosaur of the Great Valley, and um, he suddenly has more influence amongst what the other dinosaurs can do, and um, that's when you create. Um, you know, I don't even have to. Uh, I yeah, I, I think you can connect the dots there. I think, um, you know, uh, who knows what could did, happen after that. Have you read about that experiment where they actually created an economy amongst monkeys? I, this sounds familiar. Remind so me, though. So there was an experiment done where they gave monkeys this this sort of form of money. They gave them these little, little cards that represented money. Uh, which they could redeem for food from the keepers. And every every food item had a set price. And the monkeys kind of figured out, uh, you know, that I have to give two cards for this kind of fruit and three cards for this kind of fruit. But what happened once was overnight, the monkeys did a bank robbery. They broke into the facility where all of the money was, and they took it. And the next morning, when the keepers came in, they found all of the monkeys had established an economy amongst themselves. This is an actual true story. Wow. The monkeys were exchanging the money for goods and services. Like, they witnessed monkeys paying each other for grooming services, monkeys exchanging fruit for, for the money. They witnessed monkey prostitution, actually, like monkeys paying other monkeys for sex. Oh, my God. This is real. This happened. All because we taught monkeys that we would give them fruit if they gave us this this little fake monopoly. I money. think that that also shows how capitalism isn't natural. It's something that's taught. Yes, and that it yeah, like if nobody had ever told the monkeys that or made it or made that the system they had to abide by in order to get fruit because they used then to, they never would have done it because they used to get all that stuff for free yeah you know they used to get the fruit for free because it grew on the trees they used to groom each other for free because they were nice they used to just have sex with whoever they wanted to who wanted to back there was no like scarcity but once you introduce that scarcity and say you withhold the fruit unless you give me the money now the monkeys are thinking that they need money for everything which is exactly what what the dinosaurs would do in the situation of the spa that we have created. This is the saddest story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm just depressed. Just to uh, reiterate this point, when Chomper loses his tooth, yes, he says, "But my tooth is supposed to be in my mouth." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well that wraps it up for uh today's edition of special patreon uh, land before time land until next time the land before time land is closed get, get out get out of the green valley it's uh like you know, like, Green Valley. We, we're sealing I'm, up the gate. I'm sorry. I've been watching a lot of Siskel and Ebert yeah, reruns, yeah, and yeah, they, they always end their thing with the balcony is closed, so I thought that maybe the dinosaurs are also just film reviewers arguing over... This land was made for time and land. 